Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, hey team. This is a hardcore listing podcast with Chris and Stu. This is 76, just doing the intro to part two of Doc Brown. Um, I'm sure from that first part you got that Doc is um, a handsome, educated, well-spoken, intelligent, smart chap. Very funny. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that first part. Almost as much as I imagine Doc would enjoy listen to my albums projects beats um over at www.76.bandcamp.com um that's 76 s v n t y 6 the numeral 6 um .bandcamp.com there's lots of great stuff on there there's albums with MCs there's instrumental albums themed albums um, it's really great. Um, I make hip-hop instrumentals for Yarl. Um, I've not said Yarl before. I've only ever written it. Um, so I wasn't sure what it would sound like. I think it looks a bit better on paper than it does um, audibly. Uh, you be the judge. Uh, tweet and let me know. Um, so Doc, if you're up for being on any of my beats, mate, let me know. Uh, let's collab. Um, anyway, this is part two. Uh, it gets better and better. Doc's a dude, Stu and Chris are doing their best, um, and shouts to Brad. Whoa! It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Well, let's not dwell on that positive. Can we have something more negative? Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've, nearly, I've nearly forgotten the image of you crawling under a curtain's nearly <laughs> nearly faded, dude. So what's next? Number three is actually it's the first time I gigged for Ricky Gervais. Um, so Ricky had called me. This is coming up to the end of the year, 2012. He phoned my phone and asked me if I wanted to open for him um, at a gig he was doing in Norway. This is the most random phone call of your life, right? Like, I yeah. was a huge Gervais fan. Yeah. I didn't know him from Adam. He got my number, he called me, and he asked me that. So I was like, of course. He flew me out there, business class. I'd never been on a business class flight in my life, you know? It's feeling hyped. I brought a mate of mine with me. So he was just loving it like, at the hotel, just like everything was paid for. We were just like feeling like kings. And I was getting to gig. So, like, on the plane, I wrote like 10 minutes of 
Norwegian related stuff that I thought, yeah, this 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 be quite good and it's like fresh, bit different. And when was this, Ben? This is so this is like Christmas 2012. And uh, yeah, so I was writing a few jokes. Like, oh, I thought I used to, I always thought Yo Nesbo was a rapper, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, trying to think of things that that would just break the ice. And I got, I reckon I had about 10 minutes. I thought, wicked, 10 minutes of that Norwegian stuff. And then I'll just do 10 minutes of, of my shit, you know. And um, and maybe Ricky will, will watch it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling confident. I felt good. I went down and met Ricky for the first time. Like just before I went up on stage, I went and like knocked on his door, said hello immediately got a photo it's like in my mind i'm thinking this is a one-off i'm never gonna see this guy yeah, ever again yeah yeah but uh, i get get my photo uh went up got out on stage just feeling pumped got my my intro music walked out there and it's just like bedlam there's just people like walking around there's there's maybe like 50 people sat down and it's a 1500 seater you know so there's just people like, oh, is this my seat? There's people like, oh, you want a drink? Oh, you want a, oh, I'm going to go back and get a drink. You know, all these Norwegians like going back and forth, back and forth. Fuck. Okay, so I can't open like with material here. I get on the mic like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know, try and get everyone's attention. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not Ricky Gervais. People are like, oh, Ricky Gervais. Uh, you know, you know just, oh, that turned their heads a little bit. Yeah, no, no, I'm not him. Don't worry. I'm just, um, he's coming out in, like, in, in 20 minutes or so. People are looking at me like, mate, is this guy just telling us where the toilets are and stuff? Like, who is he? And I immediately thought, I could be in trouble here. I could, I could be in danger here. Of, uh, there, there was just so little attention to the stage. I thought, I've not, I've not dealt with this situation before. Where it's just, you know, it's basically half empty and the people that are in here are just, doing their shit you waiting. went from quite hyped to yeah almost a, like a, rea a rea complete reality switch yeah yeah it was like how this can is you not... deal with that though like if, if people are walking to and from their seats they... and drinks that's tough well, right yeah. yeah so first off you can't you can't do material because you just look mad yeah you look mad telling a story when there's people walking around yeah. checking tickets and whatnot so i was literally just flying by the seat of my pants just my mind was racing absolutely racing and my mouth was just going eh so Oslo how you feeling you excited for the gig Ricky's gonna be here you know, just trying to stay lively just trying to stay alive and then um, <laughs> the gods yeah literally treading water and then um, the godsend I guess in a weird way well, it wasn't a godsend it was like a gift and a curse there was like an argument kicked off <laughs> down the front and it was like two guys arguing with two women. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on here? And the guy's like, these women took our seats. It's our, it's our fucking seats. And I was like, oh, but come, the guys, it's, like, it's two beautiful women, you know, like maybe you should give them, their, give them those seats and sit in behind them. And other people are like, yeah, let them sit there. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe sit there. And they're like, oh, well, we pay for these seats. And I was like, oh, those seats aren't too bad. He's like, yeah, you, I, I paid the money. You didn't have to pay the money. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm in, like, I'm in an argument with some Norwegian guys now. And the girls are like, we're not moving. And I was like, come on, guys, sit there. And eventually they sit, go and sit behind the girls. And then a smat, there's a smattering of applause, you know. There's people like, woo, yeah. 
sort of well done kind of thing. And I thought, oh, all right, all right, all right. I'm getting back in the saddle here. I'm getting back in the saddle. And I think, right, let me do the Norwegian bit. I know it's only half full, but I'll just let me just launch this Norwegian bit. And I was just about to start this Norwegian material and like a, about 300 people came in. Like a huge crowd just came. Where are you saying? And I was just like, fuck. Fuck. Just knocked your rhythm. Yeah, I just, and I just stopped. So and what I are looked, you doing? Are you standing there silent stood at this there, point? Yeah, I'm stood there and there's just all this new fresh noise. And I just looked to my left, like to the wings like that. And I sort of, what, I don't know what to do next. Is your mate I, there? My mate was there, cracking up, and Ricky, <laughs> Ricky had pulled up like a little milking stool, and he was just sat there oh, pissing himself. Oh. <laughs> in a way, in a way, no, because you because you were a fan of Ricky anyway, yeah. right? By that point, you know what his personality's like. Yeah, yeah. You know from what has been revealed to you. But him pissing his pants about it, I don't know, that might make me feel better. If he was sat there staring and he weren't laughing, yeah. then I'd have been like, oh, yeah. no. It, it was like a weird moment where I was like, okay, fuck it. And it was like with a wry smile, I turned back. And I just, I think this was, this is a, this is another landmark moment in my career, I think, because this was another moment where I, I thought the truth is the best option. There's no point in doing material at this stage. Yeah. Just say how you're feeling and see what happens. Say exactly how you're feeling. You reach for that metaphorical pair of knickers in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I said, uh, I just, first of all, I just remember going, <sighs> like that's the big deep sigh. And I went, you lot don't even know, right? You lot are waiting for Ricky Gervais. He's sat behind a curtain just fucking here, just laughing at me, dying on my fucking hole, right? <laughs> People are like, <laughs> like is this a bit I said yeah, yeah. let me tell you something I'm a bigger fan Ricky Gervais fan than all of you lot I love, loved him for years well, I got the call to do this gig and it was like the biggest moment in my career so far you know and I thought I got the chance to perform in front of him perform comedy in a new country I've written 10 minutes of shit for you lot for Norway you know I had 10 minutes I thought it was real good I got my comedy hero sat in the wings and I'm fucking here ushering. Right? That's, what I, that's what I said. I just went on to a little rant. And, but by that stage, people were started sort of paying more attention and I managed to sort of just about turn it around. But the crucial thing about it, I suppose, is that when I come off stage, Ricky, was just, he just loved the realness of it, you know? And uh, we went for a beer and that's when he told me that, about this thing he was developing called Derek. And then the rest of that is history. So yeah, it's got like, um, it's got a happy end in that story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Still weird though. Oh, man. So to, oh, God, I can't imagine like that because you, like, Ricky Gervais calls you out of the blue and you're a big fan or whatever. Oh, God. So then you're like, fuck me, I'm going to say yes. And then you're like, yeah, oh, I, was, my I knew God, I was like, going to say yes to whatever he was going to ask yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, right now I've got to somehow deliver this. And yeah. That treading water analogy that you said is, is exactly that because there's just this moment where you like you can feel the water pulling you down. You think <laughs> yeah. I, there might not be a way back here. Yeah. Like I might have actually fucked my moment. Like that that feeling is horrendous. Yeah. It's one of the worst things ever. But um, yeah, fortunately, I, I was able to laugh it afterwards. I guess in the moment there was a, there was a moment there where I thought this is make or break yeah. in terms of maybe will I work with him again or will I not. 
but yeah, owning your death in the moment of death, I think, is a smart thing to do for any young comics listening. Stu's <laughs> told a few stories, and I don't like to repeat stories, but there's one where you died on because Stu was on a ba- in a band, weren't you? And you uh, you've you've died on your ass once or twice, and you've been in a situation where it's literally no one else in the room other than the people you're trying to impress. Well, that was with Ricky. Yeah. Like really? Ricky used to manage my band. Oh yeah, and, you mentioned uh, this and. How yeah, mad. We, and we, uh, this was a long, long time ago. And he was doing some work with Suede at the time as well. Very early incarnation of, of Suede. And, uh, and Rick was the uh, Ents manager at Yulu. That's right. And, uh, and we was in like a comedy band. And uh, kind of a little bit sort of Beastie Boys-esque, that sort of what thing. What was it called? Serious Problem. Serious Problem. And, uh, and, and we played the George Robin incident. And then this, this, this little sort of tubby guy just come up. And said, like, oh, I, I think he's like really funny. Do you want to like? Have you got a manager? And he was like, No, nah, of course not. <laughs> and uh, and then we started. And then literally, I remember sitting outside with him and and hearing him laugh and just thinking, What the fuck's that about? <laughs> like, and I was like, That's weird. <laughs> and, uh, and and then yeah, he, he got us loads of really good gigs and stuff like that. And and then it was just out of the blue. He, he just said, Oh, I'm I'm doing this thing because I think. Jane had done the thing about the lawyers. Uh, oh, God, what was I it I want to say this life. But this was, life. It was this life. Yeah. This life. And, yeah. uh, and then he was like, oh, yeah, like, um, I've got this thing if you want to come and watch it. We went up to like, the old WT building and he was doing an 11 o'clock show. And, uh, and we went and watched that. Because I didn't even really go there for Rick. I went there to look at Daisy Donovan. And like, <laughs> she was like the most beautiful yeah. thing. But obviously, oh, I yeah. come in and... Yeah. And, and I think Mackenzie Crook was in on, on that as was well. Was he? I think uh. so, yeah. And, uh, no, no, was he? Ian Lee. Ian Lee, Ian obviously, Lee was, yeah, mm. yeah. And, uh, and and I think maybe Ricky Grover? Was that was early, Buller, early Buller stuff on there? Maybe? Maybe. And uh, I've probably got that totally wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Uh, uh, trying to think when I first saw Buller. But, yeah, and it was it was really funny. And, and you know, but, like... He won't get in loads of hype, and then I literally just like everyone else, just remember turning over and seeing the office and, and thinking, What's this documentary? And <laughs> then just thinking, Oh, it's Ricky. And then just thinking, Holy shit, this is possibly the funniest thing I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, yeah, it was, was, was quite weird. So I was like, He was just the bloke that had the funny laugh, and, like, yeah. and, and now he's you know, one, probably the biggest comedian in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so how long did he manage you for? I reckon a year and a half. Uh, and what happened to the band? We we kind of it all went a bit weird. We 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 won this competition thing, and and then because we was all based in Essex, we done this big thing in Essex, and uh, I'm dropping names like bombs now, but um, uh, Maxime and Harlett were there looking for a guitarist because the prodigy were gonna go from no good start the dance to fire starter and, and they were going to start getting fucking heavy with mm. it and so the guitarist got offered that gig and uh, and then it all just kind of destruction our DJ then went out to America and produced the um, Adam F uh, oh Chaos God. album Chaos. yeah yeah I so remember that yeah album. it all just sort of fizzled out but, uh, so this is like 2000? No, before that. 98? I reckon, no, maybe even, I'll say 96. And 96. then I'll tell you what. Is that when the Chaos album was? 
no, I chaos come after that. Like chaos comes, come after came that. Later, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I reckon okay. chaos might have been maybe ninety eight. Yeah, I was judging it by the yeah, chaos album. Yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, but then at that point as well, I've got my other band going, and, and Ricky was and Stephen were at XFM then. Yeah, it was at Charlotte Street when it first come out, and they they said I'll come up and bring your demos up, and and he, he you know played us on X and stuff. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nothing but small world, but mate. Nice things to say about yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we're well, two very different eras of, of yeah. Gervais. Yeah. <laughs> What's number two, Ben? Uh, number two. Oh God. Oh, I've just I've just read it off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you can see Ben's face now. <laughs> oh, I don't know if there's anything funny about it. It's just so painful. Um, I was oh, I was doing some previews. It's what you do, like if you've got a show at Edinburgh then you do like previews of it just locally wherever you could find a space didn't matter if there was 10 people in the room just run it get it ready for when you go up there because it's an hour of comedy I'd never done anything close to an hour of comedy before at this stage it was 2010 spring of 2010 I've been on the circuit for like a year and a half um you know thought I had an hour wasn't sure if I had an hour um and you know my comedy was always it's always like this it's just me rabbiting on for fucking ages sometimes <laughs> there was jokes sometimes there wasn't but I always wanted it to be like sort of real and people had issues with that and I'm sure they still do but you know I was just never I was never going to become Jimmy Carr I was never going to become yeah. like a joke smith it mm. just wasn't going to happen so I stuck to my guns I got this show I know there's some moments in it that are quite sort of serious and whatnot. um and I'm in this room in uh, Little Venice, in the back of this pub, and there's maybe about 20 people in, 25 at a push fee. So pretty small crowd. Um, and the bits that don't go well, like, they really don't <laughs> go well. I mean, if you've got a crowd of 3,000, people always say to me, how, how do you do those gigs? Like, sometimes if I open them for Ricky, it could be like 10,000 people. Jeez. Like the arenas and the, those those ones. How do you do that? How how can you possibly have the balls to stand up in front? I was like, mate, that's easy. That's that's when it's easy. Because they're further away as yeah. well. Like and also, stage. if there's ten thousand people, and only ten percent of them laugh, that's still a roar, isn't it? That's the decent fucking <laughs> response <laughs> that's that you're five, getting. Five of these rooms, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas if it's thirty people mm. and ten percent laugh. That's like three people yeah. chuckling. Yeah. And, and that, that, that 90% that, that aren't, you can see their faces oh, as well, right? God, and those three people are your mates. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And um, at one point, you know, this is an hour. So, it's long, man. I think it's about the 40-minute mark. I referenced my, my old man at one point. Um, who he, he, he died like three or four years before. He had died in 06. I referenced it. I can't remember. I was doing some gag about my parents. Um, and then I just heard this voice. Go, oh, yeah, I remember you, old man. <laughs> what? I, what? I like, shaved my eyes from the lights. And I see, I see an old buddy of mine. Um, he's fucking... He's so... He's so calf cut. I mean, he's, he's so drunk. I knew he was a heavy drinker. So was I. But um, I can see he's, he's gone. And I'm thinking, ooh. And I was like, all right, mate. I was nearly going to say his name. I was like, all right, all right mate. Um, thanks, thanks for coming in. And he goes, yeah, I remember your dad. Yeah, it's uh, sad, sad. It's sad that he, like... <laughs> oh, 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. You know what? Let's have a pint afterwards. We'll, we'll catch up. And he's like, yeah, because I remember, I remember like when my old man died, you come round. You come round and I ain't seen you for years when you come round. And you said, to, you said to my old dear, like, you know, commiserations and whatnot. And you stuck around. And I was like, yeah. No idea. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember it. You can only imagine what the room is like at this point. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I remember it. But let's, yeah, you know, let's, let's chat, let's chat afterwards, let's chat afterwards. Ah, I'm fucking, ah, it's just good to see you. Do you know what I mean? It's just good to fucking see you. Fucking, you know, it's parallels, isn't it? Like, your old man's dead, my old man's dead. We're just there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, this is genuine, this is happening. Is that geezer? Well, because he was, he was hammered, so there was no self-awareness. Yeah, basically. there's yeah, no yeah, self-awareness, yeah. but it's just the subject matter yeah. was really, like it was intense and it was emotional. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, I can't deal with this right now. Like, dude, we got to do this after. He's like, yeah, right, yeah. Fuck it, do it after. Do it after. Hey. <laughs> and then it's like, so. Um, <laughs> and yeah, trying to get back into it after that was, you know, after having a relatively shit gig anyway, yeah. up to that point, there was no way back. Yeah. There was no way back and I still had like 20 minutes to go. And I remember thinking in that 20 minutes, I was like, Edinburgh's going to be fucking horrible. <laughs> it's going to be, why would you do that? And um, yeah, it probably, it probably was. I did Edinburgh maybe the ne next two, three years and it's, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do as a comic. Really? Is it? An hour right. a night, like. Because of how many nights you're doing it as well? Yeah, every night for a month. And, yeah. you know, if you struggle for the first five minutes, there's no like, oh, in, in 15 minutes I'll be in my car. Like, I remember doing a gig at Stafford. This is an additional little mini death story. I, I was stood. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was like a big open room. You know, uh, it was a uni gig, so it was like a big sort of common room type thing with the bar in there and um, not real like set up for gigs, but you know, that's where the gig was. And it was like a farming university, Stafford Uni. And I should have known it was trouble when I rocked up because the host comes up to me. I was the last one on. And he goes, um, 
do you mind if I just, do you mind if I nip off, like, after I introduce you? I was just I was like, I, I want to get going. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I was so, so green. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? But obviously, that's really fucking bad form. The host should stick yeah, around yeah, yeah. after. Yeah, like, to finish up. And, yeah, yeah. But he obviously was just like, fuck this gig. <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> Where, like, it, the crowd was so rowdy. There's people doing shots and shit. He's like rugger. They told the young farmers. Yeah, like rugger that's type guys, like rugby yeah. outfits and shit yeah. covered in mud. When I got up, the front row, there was like six six guys on the front row. When I got up, they turned their chairs around and started having a conversation. They turned their chairs oh, around brutal. in the front row. It was brutal, yeah. bro. And I was up there struggling the first five minutes. And by chance, behind me, there was like a huge floor-to-ceiling window that looked out onto the car park. And I used to drive this black VW Golf. I could see my Golf. <laughs> and all I was thinking was, I just want to jump through the fucking Crash glass, your way to the get car. my fucking car and get the fuck out of it. I noticed as well, halfway through, like, if I said a certain word, they'd set up like a drinking game. So if I said a word, they'd go up and get shots. And down is like, eh, big cheer. Nightmare, that gig. Absolute oh. nightmare. But the, the reason it, I was reminded of it is because with Edinburgh, if you have a star like that where five people turn their chairs around, you can see your car, like, um, in a circuit gig, you can see your car, 15 minutes, you're getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know, Edinburgh, it's like, I've got another 55 minutes of this. That's a long 55, right? And Fif- you get 55 50- seconds is a long yeah, time when you're dying. Definitely. 55 minutes is like, this is actually, it's like, it's like torture now. It's torture. So, yeah, um, that, that preview is definitely up there. It's, it's, it's probably number two in terms of me chronologically remembering, but also in terms of terribleness. I, I, I hate that every minute that was... Man. Oh, it was grim. Before you get to your number one, you saying about farmers, right? I've just got to throw this in there. The <laughs> worst gig as a DJ I've ever yeah. done was... I used to go and DJ with um, the guy that plays um, James in the, uh, Jane in between us. Right, yeah. and uh, and we used to get booked to do all the unis and stuff like that. And generally, because of the nature of the in between, is it would go down a storm because it was the the cocky Larry one, and it was great. But we done a farmers convention type <laughs> thing, young farmers. Yeah. Fucking hell! It's like, Literally, the, the people went on, and they went, ladies and gentlemen, he's Jay from the in between us, blah blah blah. None of them knew who he was. Really? And like, and at the time, that's one of the biggest shows yeah, on, on yeah, TV, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. tailor made for a student audience. Couldn't right? give a shit. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't give a fuck. And the DJ warming up was playing. I don't know what sort of music. He's gone on, played it safe with Killers, Kasabian, mm. student anthems. Literally, everyone was like, "Mate, no, like people literally doing the, the kind of finger across the neck, like time out, mate." Four songs in. Promoter come up, he went, no, we, we, we call this one quits, lads. Literally, after four songs in, <laughs> took wow. us off stage. Do you know what? At least, at least you only had to play four songs before you had to fuck yeah. off. And yeah. like, but it is horrible being a DJ. And if you do, and I'm really you, know, you have a moment. I'm not slating farmers. I'm doing an Alan Partridge no, no, here, yeah, aren't I? And yeah. just upsetting the whole farming community. <laughs> yeah. But when, when you do, when you do, like, if, you, if say there's a technical issue in your DJing, and there's like dead air for a couple mm. of seconds for whatever reason that is it might be your fault it might not be your fault it could be something going on with the sound system but like you said you're the face of it and I feel I've had that happen we've been DJing for what 10 years so mm. it's going to happen yeah. and you just it's like a prickly hot sweat because you've got three or four hundred people and just girl, like girls are what? suddenly allowed to say whatever they want to you <laughs> 
Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. like, when you're DJing and it fucks up, <laughs> yeah. girls can suddenly say like, what the fuck are you? You are a fucking idiot. <laughs> They're so feisty yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah. Can't deal with that at all. And that's like, that, that might only last you like 20 seconds. That feels yeah. rough. Like the thought of doing, that, doing a comedy set and just and being standing the, up the, there. The huge difference as well is the silence, I think. Like, obviously you don't want silence when you're DJing, but there is, you know, for as long as it lasts, you know, you can just get that music playing again and just t- tuck yourself away. Mm. Yeah. In stand-up, it's, it becomes this, like, snowball that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and there's no escape, yeah. you know? There's, there's no hiding places. Literally, there's nothing to hide behind. You've got behind. a DJ booth. There's a little mini... You've got no barriers, yeah, have you? Yeah, DJ there. booth, I would just duck down. No, and there's always... Like I'm looking like, for a record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking for that record for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You could, like, yeah, you fucking could do up, bro. Or you could like just be like, barman, get, I'll have another beer over here, please, yeah. while I power through this set. Yeah. But um, that's rough. But yeah, comedy set must be so much worse. Yeah, brutal. Brutal's the word, I think. It is mad. That's why I say only sadomasochists want to be a, a, a comedian f- like as a career. Yeah. It's insane. So when you, you said earlier, Ben, that, you know, around the time when you started thinking of the comedy, you, you didn't really understand the rules of stand-up. And, no, and, I didn't and, watch it. And you didn't watch it. So since that point, um, who, who have you sort of like warmed towards? Who are your favourite stand-up comedians? Like? Yeah, it's weird. You know, before I did stand-up, I'd seen... Peter Kay, because my mum had a Peter Kay um, VHS, I think, yeah. or DVD. And she also had um, Eddie Murphy on yeah. vinyl. So I'd heard, wow. I'd heard both of them. And this other one just called Comedian. He's like 21. It's really good. Right, yeah. I've um, heard that. Uh, so I'd heard Eddie Murphy I'd seen Peter Kay I've done like little bits of what everyone has seen I guess like Bill Hicks yeah. a few few minutes of yeah. that yeah, bit yeah. Of Richard Pryor but I had no concept no understanding whatsoever that there was thousands of men and women doing this in the UK for a living thousands I just they blew my mind when I got in it and um, the other thing that blew my mind was the expertise of these people and how comfortable they seem to be up there um so you know there was loads of people that i saw that just amazed me in the in the first sort of few months or the first year or so and then i saw other guys and i realized oh those first guys i saw were just average comics these guys are on a whole other level yeah uh and um i don't know who were the first of those those ones that really like moved me as well like with the material and stuff um, the first American that did it for me was, was Bill Burr. I, f- I just thought he was yeah. incredible, and yeah. I, I, I still do. Yeah. Um, uh, he's the passion. Sort of star's really risen, hasn't it, now? Like, yeah, you know. yeah, I mean, he's, he's huge now. Yeah. But yeah, his, his passion and his sort of way of showing that he didn't know all the answers, because one thing stand-ups tend to do is they sort of show you that they know everything. And, and I, I find that quite a cold sort of way to to be entertained I, I get annoyed by stand-ups because of how fucking know it all they are but bill burr was very much he was like the first dude i saw was just like Look, i don't fucking i don't have the answers i don't know what's going on this is just my opinion on some shit and there was something raw about him that i really really liked um he's probably still my favorite but i think yeah. the first british comedian that was so good to me that 
it took me a year just not to sound like him was Sean Locke. Right, yeah. I saw Sean Locke and he made me laugh so hard. I went to see him again and then obviously started seeing him on TV and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, there's something about this guy. I loved him because he was as big as all the biggest comics in the UK. But there was something strange about him. Like there was something slightly surreal and off kilter about him. I just thought, how's he getting away with that? Do you know what I mean? He's doing the, the type of venues that the proper, proper mainstream acts do. But he's a bit weird with it. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw him do this one joke where he was saying, um, oh, my wife was doing that pillow talk thing. I, I just, I, 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 I hate getting involved, you know? Because she's always like, Sean, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about right now? Like, you don't, you don't want to know. She's like, come on, what are you thinking about right now? She's like, you don't want to know. I don't, we don't need to get into this. She's like, come on, what are you, just tell me what you're thinking right now. And he goes, oh, God, all right. I was just thinking, imagine a world without herbs. <laughs> so good one. He goes, he goes, everything would essentially be the same, but just uh, something missing. <laughs> and I just thought that's the best thing I've ever seen or heard. <laughs> So, yeah, for me, it was a real struggle as a formative comic to just not sound like Sean yeah. Locke. But I think to this day, I've retained something that was a huge inspiration from him, which is that, you know, be as entertaining as you can be. You know, I became like a Mr. Saturday Night type comic. Like, within two years, I, you didn't catch me in the middle set or in the opening set unless I needed to go and headline another set and I just wanted yeah. double the money yeah. I was a headline act within yeah. two years I'm not boasting that's just the yeah. way it was yeah. and I think it was because I was quite a like big sort of mainstreamy type um, fun kind of comic you know that was my thing but it was Sean Locke who just reminded me not personally just from me watching him just always reminded me like retain the weird shit about you yeah because people won't expect it and, 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 and one of the fun things about comedy is when something happens that you don't expect. It's one of the like bedrocks, I think, of, of the art form. So I just always retain that, man. I always had something that was like a bit strange. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite lines was always about like, how as much as I love rap, as much as I've got this street culture behind me and that, I'm not like a gangster guy. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I wave back at boats. You know what I'm saying? Like I always, I always had that in there. And it would be a different, differing levels of talking about the detail of that, yeah. depending on what mood I was in that yeah. night. It yeah. might just be that line, yeah. or I might talk about the whole process of yeah. boat waving and the subculture that exists. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I loved it because it's just like, this is, this is just my other shit. This is my left yeah. field shit. Some of you might be into it. Some of you might not be. I don't give a fuck, you know? And uh, that, yeah, that definitely came from Sean, that, that, that inspiration. He's, he's still possibly my favorite British comic, but there's loads of guys I came up with that really um, kept me on my toes and inspired me as well. You know, like I came up at exactly the same time, started out at the same time as people like Josh Widdicombe and Sean Walsh, Sarah Pascoe, hmm. you know, people who became household names. Yeah. We were, we were, we were working together as, as newcomers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, in a way, I was inspired by their comedy as well as just seeing their careers yeah. flourish. Right, it was like yeah. a thing that made me go, yeah, yeah I can yeah. do I can do this. I can yeah. do this as well, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing yeah. a, a, a sketch that um, Sean Walsh does, just a bit on uh, drinking and uh, just how he acts. And he's like, you know, you're in, the, you're in a bar with your mates and you think you're going to have a quiet night and then someone orders like the Jaegers in. 
and he's saying how the night sort of deteriorates. Mm. And then, like, you know, you wake up and you don't, the worst hangover is the one where you don't realise that you're still drunk. And then it's just how he acts out going from hammered at 8am in the morning and hysterical to having the worst hangover <laughs> in like 10 seconds. He just does this little act. And it's fucking, it's just amazing. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's cracking. And Sean Locke, Sean, what, did Sean, what that, was that series, that sitcom that stories. he wrote? 15 Stories High. 15 Stories High is fucking really good. Like, Which is really left field. It is left field, but it's fucking amazing, isn't yeah, it? And, and like, so many people haven't seen it. Also stars Benedict Wong, who's like a Hollywood superstar now. Um, that show, nobody's seen it. I mean, it's because yeah. they used to fuck with it all the time like yeah. the snooker would be on so it would be on at like half 11 yeah. on BBC2 in the evening yeah. do you know what I mean you, no one if you were a fan of it you'd, you'd guaranteed you'd miss like three of three of the first six episodes and they only ever made two series but I could never recommend it enough it's po- possibly my favourite sitcom ever 15 Stories High yeah. I love it there's so much weird shit going yeah, on in that series brilliant. setting in a a, a a tower block for those who haven't seen it and Sean Locke and Benedict Wong are flatmates, and and Sean Locke is just such a prick. He's like a swimming instru- a lifeguard at a swimming pool, and he's just such an anal prick. And Benedict Wong is like, a, a just the most beautiful like sort of man child. He's just like this innocent, lovely kid of a man, basically. Um, the first time you see Benedict Wong in the series, I remember he he calls his mum, and he's like, hey. Mum, it's, it's me. You mean, it's, it's me, your son. It's Errol, the, the Chinese one. <laughs> that's, his, that's his opener. <laughs> it's just great from there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that series. Love Sean. Um, Shall we move on to number one? Top spot. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. There's, there's some kind of parties taking place, like just beyond the door. I think. So. Yeah, it like we're like karaoke. Probably after yeah, yeah, they wrap might. It up before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before they come down here <laughs> and st- storm, storm in. Yeah, apologies to everyone listening. I don't think people will pick up on it. Yeah, probably fair. not. Probably um, not. That's good. I'll go and join the party in a minute. <laughs> we'll go and join it. Yeah. Um, this was. Number one is, is this is a good reason. Anyone out there who's a performer of any kind, this is a great reason not to do favors for friends when it comes to your profession. Like if it's your profession, then do it for the money or do it for like it's a it's a thing that's gonna push you up to the next sure. notch. You yeah. know, don't do favors for friends in in show business because. Basically, you haven't got a leg to stand on once you've said yes. <laughs> once you've said yes, it's like, it's a favor now. So you kind of just got to go with it. You yeah. can't complain about the money. You can't complain about the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a favor for a friend. So uh, my friend's missus uh, was working in some area of human rights. And she asked me through him if I would do a benefit gig for human rights lawyers for like a human rights charity. Um, okay. And I was, you know, I've always done a lot of benefit gigs. Um, you know, there's there's loads of little causes here and there where comedy can just make a shitload of money in one night. Yeah. So if you can spare 20 minutes or even 10 minutes sometimes like, get a good bill together, you can make a shitload of money for, for one charity 
by people are, oh it's so amazing your charity work no it's not bro it's 10 minutes like do you know what yeah. I mean yeah, I'm not yeah. writing new material for this yeah. shit I'll yeah, just yeah. come in and do my 10 minutes but the money you can make it can make a difference so I'm always up for it and this is like it's a charity thing and it's, it's a favour for a friend so I'm like yeah okay cool cool I'll do it but I'm immediately panicked when I get there because it's got that vibe that you get this sometimes on the circuit, like where you, where if you get to a gig and someone goes, Oh, Hey, like, Oh no, actually this is, this is the first time you might notice it. Where if you get to a gig and there's no one to greet you, right. and you're sort of like in the queue with the punters <laughs> and the security is yeah, like, who are sure. you? And you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm, uh, you got to explain who you are. That's always a bad sign. The, the other bad sign is um, if you get in and you meet the promoter and the promoter goes, where do you think we should put the mic? Where do you think we should put the mic? Oh, where should we put the mic? We're like, what's, what works for you? What works for you? And you're like, oh my God, you've not, you don't do comedy, do you? Fuck, how am I here? Or um, how do you think we should set up the chairs? That's another one. <laughs> like, mate, fucking have this shit sorted out. Like, I'm not... I've been in gigs in my early days where I was setting up rooms, essentially. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they just had no fucking idea. He was doing that in a Gervais show, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was actually... He was, <laughs> yeah, con- yeah. he was concierge. This one, the, the concern straight away was that this is, this is not a comedy show. never has been a comedy show. So the crowd might not be ready for yeah, it. Yeah, this is like not a thing. Like this is the, It was at the Tabernacle in, in Notting Hill Gate. It's a beautiful venue. It's got a big stage and a big sort of common room type space with um, people sitting up top as well on these sort of uh, bleach type things. But yeah, straight away I was I was panicked because <laughs> I walked into the room. She was like, oh great, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. She was whispering because on stage there was like a human rights lawyer and he was talking about like atrocities against children over the past like year. Like, what, what had been happening that year, right? So, you know, I'm looking around. Condensed, like, pop of really people. Yeah, there's people in the room, like, crying. There's people, like, upset and shit. And I'm just looking at the stage going, holy fucking Christ. Now, I've been in slightly similar situations to this, so I'm just drawing on that information. Like, I've been at benefit gigs where it's about something quite difficult. I did a gig for um, uh, soldiers who'd lost limbs. And, um, you know... It's a comedy night to raise money for that. That's the way it was sold. Do you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't that awkward. Although there was an awkward thing that night. It was at um, a jongler's in Leicester. We held it. And the comic who was on before me was this Canadian guy. And he was doing this bit. Um, he was talking about, oh, and I was at dinner with my mom and dad. And we're sat there. And... Um, you know, I'm the only one not eating. And they're like, no, no, there's this guy and he's the only one not eating. And I'm like, who is this guy? Why would he not like the food? And then he just stopped the bit and he looked white as a sheet. And he went, hey, so who's got a dog? Hey, who's got a dog here? My dog's the craziest dog. And I was like, That's, that was so weird. What the fuck was that? And I spoke to him off stage. He was like, dude, I went into because I wasn't doing that great I went into like survival mode I was just doing material like automatically yeah. and I got halfway through that bit and remembered that the reason the dude doesn't pick up the knife and fork is because he has no, he has no arms <laughs> <laughs> and I was like fucking hell man you know it's probably better you did the weird just yeah. pull out and talk about dogs thing <laughs> because 
fuck. I don't know how that would have gone down. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still at the back of this room in Notting Hill. Everyone's at, uh, in cabaret scene, so everyone's sat around white, big um, round tables. You're the only comic? Mate, there's no fucking comedy. I realized that real quick, right? I was like, I said, I said, I said who else has been on? And she goes, oh, well, we just got Robert um, giving a recap of, of what's been going on around the, uh, the, the globe. We've had some people from, from UNICEF. Um, and um, we, we're hoping that may, maybe we'll have uh, a, bit of, a bit of music at the end. Um, might be some piano from a, a, a singer, it's like a refugee lady. And I was like, <laughs> have there been any com- there been any comedians? She's like, no, 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 that's, that's why it's brilliant, because you're going to you're lighten the whole mood. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, uh, I, th- th- I think this is going to be really, really difficult. And she's like, no, no, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And I was like, how long is he, he doing it? And she's like, oh, he's, done about, he's been on about 25 minutes. I think he'll be wrapping up soon. And he wrapped up and it was like just heartfelt applause <laughs> for the work that he'd done. You know, people God. brushing tears aside. <laughs> and um, while they're clapping... I said to her, have they, have they eat? Has, has everyone eaten? And she was like, what? I said, like, has everyone eaten? She was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, look, it's really important that they don't serve food. Like, why not? I just don't need any more. I don't need distractions. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. They'll eat after all the performances. That's fine. I was like, okay, cool. And the clapping dies down. I was like, is, there, is, there, is a host coming on? And she was like, oh, no, there's no host. <laughs> I was like, there's no host. There's no comp here. She said, no, 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 no. You just go, go on. She's just doing that with her hands, like, <laughs> go, go on, on your, that's, that's you, go on. <laughs> so the clapping just dies down, and obviously when there's no compare, people just start gradually, you know, respectfully start talking in their, on their tables again, bit by bit, in a sort of respectful tone, because it's mm. got that funeral kind of vibe. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And she's like, yeah, go on, on you go. And I was just, it was like, the, the, it was the walk of death, like, I knew I was fucked. And I just, you literally just strolled out there. I had to, bro, I had to walk on, yeah, explain <laughs> that I was a comedian. <laughs> it was every second lives so long in my memory. I walked on and everyone was just like talking amongst themselves. So first off, I, was, I had to do the tap like, uh, <clears throat> hey, hey, oh, Brilliant, Robert. Um, fantastic. Some great stats. Spe- on um, just, it's amazing what everyone's uh, just bringing, bringing to the to the to the night. Um, no one's paying attention at this point. I'm just like, yeah. So I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm Doc. I'm gonna, uh, just, you know, <laughs> just um, do a bit of. Just gonna tell. I couldn't say comedy. I couldn't say the word. I said I went. Let's do a bit of. And tell some stories <laughs> like that, oh, God. and I was being a bit jovial. Yeah, yeah, and you, there was a woman in front of me; I couldn't see her face, but the way her body tensed, and looking at other people's faces, I could see them looking at me, <laughs> like, "What are you doing? We just need to digest what we've just heard," you know. And when I went into the first bit, I started talking about growing up. I was like, "I grew up up the road from here." I was telling a story about um, growing up in West London. And you could tell it was comedy at that point, and people were looking at me like, "Bro, what? What are you doing right now? This isn't really fucking bad taste." <laughs> and I struggled through this first bit, 
got to the end of the bit, no laughs. This is about two minutes in. And I'm like, yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> local boy. Um, actually, one thing I did uh, learn to do when I was growing up around here was um, it's a, bit of, a bit of rap. I used to do a bit of, a bit of rap. And then uh, the doors fly open on the side and all the waiters come through with the meal. <laughs> it's like, hey, the chicken, who's the chicken? Are you the chicken? Are you the lamb? Are you the chicken or the lamb? I'm like, oh. And then all the plates go down. No, I see the, you see the people like, oh, no, no, I'm the lamb. I was like, I'm a vegetarian. So she's a vegetarian. She's a vegetarian. And <laughs> oh, I stood there like, I, oh, okay. Uh, having your meals. Why not? Like, of course, <laughs> why not? Like, got to eat. Oh, how's that? It looks great, that. Is that, that nice? That's chick chicken. Is it? You get the chicken, yeah? Oh, no, you're the, veg you're the vegetarian. Yeah, get, get her. She's vegetarian, so get her vegetarian meal. Um... Yeah, uh, yeah, used to do, used to do a bit of rap. Uh, and the woman who was sat in front of me, whose body tensed up, she got her meal and she was trying to eat. And every time I spoke, she was like, <sighs> her body was doing that. For those who can't see it, it's the sort of like hands down with the knife and fork, shift in the Impatient, seat, squirm in yeah. the seat kind of vibe. And I was just like, yeah. Um, bit of rap. Uh, <laughs> I used. To, um, you know what? This is, feels like. I don't feel. I'm feeling kind of getting a vibe that maybe I should. Maybe I should go. Oh God. Do you think? Do you think I should? Do you think I should? I think maybe I should go. Do you think I should go? Like that, right? <sighs> and the woman who had her vaccine, she turned around for the first time, just not all the way around, just head over the shoulder. She goes, I think that'd be for the best. <laughs> oh, my and God. I just put the mic in the stand and fucking left. And that, the reason that's number one is because I've never not done my time. Yeah. You've asked I was to just finish. like, I can't, I just, I lit, there's, lit, there's nothing I can say, do. I'm out of here. Like, I just put the mic in, didn't say anything. I just shuffled off. Right? Oh, grim. And I went straight away downstairs. I don't know if you know that venue, but it's like there's this big staircase that goes down to get out onto the street. And there's a big sort of reception area. And down there, they had all this like stuff, UNICEF stuff, and all these, you know, there's a few people milling about still. And I got down there and I was just like, just, I just didn't know what to do with my body. I was just like, I just got, I've got to get the fuck out of here. And uh, my, my, my mate's girlfriend who, who, who'd booked me for the thing she came down she was like <laughs> she didn't know what to say she was like oh um, what, what do you want to do now and I was just like I just is, is, is the cab here I just I need to go she was like oh cab yeah let me call you a cab let me call you a cab <laughs> I'd um, the night of the way she looked at me was like I can't believe my boyfriend's recommended you and you don't know how to do comedy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, that kind no. of like... Seriously? Yeah, it was just... I could just tell that vibe of like, you're not very good, but it's, it's like sad. I feel sad for you. Do you know what I mean? And there was a part of me, especially when I was on stage, do you know what I did the night before? You know what the gig i done the night before was? I played Wembley, right? <laughs> I played fucking Wembley yeah. for Comic Relief, right? I was in between Noel Gallagher... And I think Paloma Faith, right? <laughs> and Russell Brand had brought me out. 
and I did Wembley. I never thought in my life I would do anything at Wembley except yeah. maybe watch Palace. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In a fucking playoff final. <laughs> I did Wembley the night before. And the next, this is, this is comedy, man. Like, you, you think you're a god. You're not a god. Like, I was stood there and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, did you see what happened? And she was like, yeah, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't fine. Like, how long's the cab? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're sorting it out now, we're sorting it out now. And she called the cab and the cab did not arrive straight. I was hoping there'd be a car there, right? The cab did not arrive straight away, right? And I was immediately starting to get panicky. I was like, Wait, are they having a break at any point? And she was like, yeah, I think they're breaking in about t 10 minutes. I was like, the cab needs to be here before anyone comes out, like after dinner. Like, I, I just need to fucking get the fuck out of here. And she was like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Cab came, people were starting to come out from, from dinner. I just bombed it out the front door into the back of the cab. I was like, just fucking drive, just drive, just drive. I just sat in there, just like, it took me, I mean, you could probably hear it in my voice. So this is like 2013, yeah, it was Comic Relief 2013, so long fucking time oh, ago. Mate. And I, it still hurts me just to, th <laughs> just to think about it, every second of it. What's the most painful bit? And not bit? doing my time. Because, because the thought of, because it's bad enough that, you, you, you know, it's great that he's done a good term for someone helping someone out. As you say, sometimes that can backfire. And, and, and it's bad enough that it was, it all was just, you knew it was bad omens. It was all going wrong. And you had to ask everyone, do you think I should go? Which I don't think can be, that that can't be very good for the I don't ego, think I've, ego I don't or think I've ever said anything more painful in my life. Yeah. And then, yeah. But then to have your mate go, look, look at you, and you know when someone's looking at you like, oh, bless yeah, uh, she, that was the look. The look was like, oh. that be that 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 beyond everything. That would be the bit that would drive me fucking mad. That's a shame. It's a shame. Was it a similar look to the get one a professional that your comedian gave next you time? Yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the professional comedians. You know, they, they actually do it for a living. You're only as good as your last gig. I mean, <laughs> Wembley yesterday, but but today. Wembley the day before, <laughs> like. It just, I don't even, I don't remember Wembley. I don't remember what I did. I just, I can say I played Wembley, like, but I remember any of it. But I remember every second of the following night, you know, <laughs> and that, that is comedy. It's, it's more about the lows than, than the highs. It's not like rock and roll, like, it's different. It's got rock and roll elements to it, but it's so bizarrely solitary. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I've killed rooms absolutely murdered them and maybe the reason one of the big reasons I don't remember him is because what the fuck happened after that I just went to sit in a hotel room because I was on my own in a yeah. city where I don't know anybody yeah, do you know what I mean yeah, if yeah. you're in a band yeah. like a legendary gig can become a legendary night because yeah, you're with your mates yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean mm. and that's that's the, that's the that's the thing about comedy that I thought I'm never going to do this forever yeah. never because it's just so lonely yeah. and the that you experience the highs and the lows on your fucking jacks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot to take on board. That's why I think it attracts sort of social misfits and people who probably aren't very good in life, yeah. <laughs> like in, in that <laughs> yeah. actual normal life. Whereas I always preferred normal life yeah. to, to showbiz. And now, like, doing acting and stuff, it's cool because... I always thought actors were a bunch of wankers. Like, I just thought it was all for ponces and stuff. But 
there are some ponces and there are some wankers, but I was way more ponces and wankers in stand-up yeah. because right, it's right, like right. you're not that socially equipped. You spend a lot of your time on your own. Yeah. Actors, they're in a world where there's 200 people involved in this project. Sure. Every single person is vital. You take one out, the whole yeah, house yeah, of cards yeah. collapses. And they sort of appreciate that. Most of them really appreciate that. So you're a part of a team. If you want to be alone, you can be. If you don't, you've got all your colleagues and some, some friends sometimes, which is like life. So, you know, I, I find solace in that job. And I haven't done stand-up now for, well, you know, best part of a year. And I'm terrified to ever go back. I will go back yeah. one day, I'm sure. But it's, t it's 10 years of my life that I think it made me, it gave me a career, it got me some standing in show business, which is what I always wanted to be in my whole life. But it made me and it broke me. It's such a bizarre job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's like it, people say, oh, it even makes you or it breaks you. You know, stand-up does both. It gives you unbelievable tools, but it also fucks with your self-esteem and your <laughs> ego and your confidence on such profound levels yeah and sometimes like with the Wembley Notting Hill scenario in the space of 24 hours yeah yes crazy <laughs> so what are you doing now Ben uh, I'm shooting a thing called Britannia it's like a Jez Butterworth um, script for Sky it's had one series got Mackenzie Crook in it it's a little office connection there mm -hmm. David Morrissey it's got a great cast um and uh, this is season two. Big, imagine sort of Game of Thrones, but with the Rush, uh, the Roman Empire. It's, uh, right. it's, it's that kind of vibe, um, but written by Jez Butterworth. So it's, it's like blackly comic, it's funny. My role is definitely a sort of comic side of things. Um, so it's great, you know, I'm doing big old fat costume drama, getting to, you know, utilize some of my comedy chops. Um, and start starting in the grounds of like rap battling and stuff like that. Yeah, that. and if I die, it's fucking it's the director's fault or it's the script's fault. <laughs> or, do you know what I mean? Or it's the way they edited it. <laughs> There's places to hide. Brilliant. If people think it's shit, be like, yeah, that's that's how they cut it. My performance was amazing. It's just, you can't, you can't tell because he's cut it weird. It's the colouring in the screen. It's done some weird grainy effect. It makes me look like a shit actor. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the wrong one. I did that. I did that amazing before that. That's yeah. not the right take. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant, Ben. Thanks loads, man, for coming down Pleasure. and doing this. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll put this out in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to it. No, much appreciated, man. And I've got a few. I feel like I've I've taken on some of those memories now and some of that trauma. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but in ways that's going to make me chuckle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, well done for powering through that as well, yeah. Ben. And, uh, I did, you yeah. know, I just, I, when I wrote those uh, lists for you, I just, I didn't really think when you chose worst gigs, I didn't think that it would be as emotional as it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely feeling like I should have chose Muppets now. Like five Muppets. I could distance myself emotionally from Scooter. Do you know what I mean? Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, cheers, dude. Um, well, you. if you don't mind, we'll, we'll sort of uh, link you into the social media when we ask people because yeah. people might have some uh, thoughts Actually, and observations about, you know. I don't, I don't do social media. Okay. I don't, I don't do any of that shit. Sure. Uh, I used to, but it didn't really work for me. So I left, I left it and um, 
It was a good decision, man. Yeah, I got yeah. back three hours a day of yeah, my yeah. life. Of not scrolling through stuff. I could actually like talk to my children and <laughs> see, like, see what they're about. Yeah. Turns out they're quite interesting people, my yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so any yeah, questions it, for but, um, Ben? Uh, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, it's, uh, it's, the, it's one of the smartest things to do in show business, if you're in show business, because you just do your shit and you don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not as self-conscious now. I just do my thing. If people don't like it, they can fucking shout at the wind. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Go crazy yeah. trying to get at me about how yeah. much you hate what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna hear it, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's back to basics. If my friends liked it or not, and that's always the yeah. thing that's, yeah, yeah. that's I've been concerned about. Yeah. If my yeah. friends thought something I did was shit, it would, I, yeah. it would hurt. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So for me, it's like a quality control thing. But the main thing is just I did it for time. Get get some time back in my yeah. life. I think it works for loads of people. I'm not saying everybody should get off of it, but for me, there was a day where I just it depressed me. Yeah. Okay. I was just like, this is, is this my life? I, I don't enjoy this. And I got rid of it and it made sense. I completely agree. I, we, we spoke about this on different podcasts, haven't we? And, and it can condense a lot of things, social media, and it can give you this stream of shit that sometimes you don't really want to be yeah. watching or you find yourself filling time with it. Yeah. And it's, it's not really useful time. Like, look mm. up, just look up at the sky and just get on with your day. Yeah. Live your life. There's one rapper I remember when I was on Twitter. There's a rapper called JME. Um, Skepta's brother yeah uh, and he always had I'm sure he still does and it's been it's been a long time since I've been on there but um, he always had zero um, he followed zero people like millions of followers mm. obviously and I always, always look at that I think people used to get really angry about it like you know it's, it's so arrogant like well, yeah. when I think about it now I think if I ever did go back that's perfect because yeah. yeah. you just say your thing and that is it yeah, yeah. But, you know, people want to know what other people think of them, I guess. Yeah. And they, they desperately weird. need that validation constantly. It's validation of their life or existence. Yeah. Like taking photos of themselves everywhere, like at gigs and that. Uh, mm. Weirdly, uh, just we, Weirdly, we need to get a photo for the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah, we'll do yeah, that yeah, for yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, let's leave it there. Yeah, because yeah, it's a whole other conversation. That. But actually. man, that was wicked. And you've got a bunch of other top fives. So some point in the future, yeah, we'll Ben, do, we'll, we'll do it again, man. In the style of scooter. <laughs> I may go out tomorrow if I can borrow a coat to wear. Okay, <laughs> that was all right, wasn't it? Knew you'd like it. Um, thanks ever so much, um, Doc Brown, for coming and doing that. It was really, really kind of you to give up your time to venture down to the Queen of Hoxton. Thanks again to those guys for letting us record there. Oh, that's it. I, I, I never really know what to say at the end of the podcast bit. You once you said your thank yous to everyone and to you guys for listening, then you kind of just scratching around. And do anyone, you know, when, when the interview's finished, do people still listen to the the end bit? Am I talking to myself right now? I don't know. Let me know if you do listen to this bit at the end. Um, send us a tweet. Uh, hashtag Wolf Snipple Chip. See ya. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 